Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for March 23. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Eugene Ionesco's Exit the King is a clever play about life and death. Reportedly, the Romanian-French Ionesco, who died in 1994, said about the play, I told myself that one could learn to die, that I could learn to die, that one can also help other people to die. This seems to me the most important thing we can do, since we're all of us dying men who refuse to die. The play is an attempt at an apprenticeship in dying. Now, I don't want to be morbid, but I raise the subject for two reasons. First, Ionesco understood that because life is fleeting, as Ukrainians know all too well right now, we need to consider our values and priorities. Second, in Jesus' parable of the prodigal, in Luke chapter 15, a key theme is our lostness. We look for life in the wrong places. Throughout his ministry, Jesus of Nazareth challenges us all to consider our heart's desires. The opening lines of Luke chapter 15 reveal that two groups of people were in Jesus' audience at that time, what we might call the sinners and the saints. The sinners were society's outcasts, the fraudsters and the immoral. The saints were the religious establishment. The first group needed to learn that at the heart of God's nature is mercy and forgiveness. The second needed to be shocked out of their self-righteousness. The two groups had two very different views about life and death. Knowing that mindsets are very hard to shift, Jesus didn't preach a sermon nor engage in debate. He simply told three stories about a shepherd who had lost a sheep, about a woman who had lost a coin, and about a father who had lost two sons. I'll focus here on the father and his younger son. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and verses 11 through 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The clever story opens with a younger son asking his father for his inheritance. The son, by asking this, implies that he wished his father were dead. Nevertheless, the father gave him what he wanted. But it was not long before the money was gone. Having no friends or credit line, the son was soon without food and homeless. Worse followed. With a drought and a crash in primary industry, the best he could do was become a day labourer, feeding pigs. Even so, he starved. His thoughts turned to home, his father, the farm, and the food. The son weighed the odds. Here I am, feeding pigs, he reflected. The casual workers on Dad's farm are far better off than me. I'm a fool. I'll have to bury my pride and go home. I'll have to tell Dad I'm really sorry I messed up and don't deserve a thing. I'll ask him to take me in as one of the hired workers. Jesus' story would have captured everyone's attention. Some hearers would have been saying to themselves, That's me. Another group would have said, That son doesn't deserve to be forgiven. How would the father react? That's the question. Like most fathers, he knew what his son was like and what he would do, but he still loved him. In fact, he'd been on the lookout for his return, and when word came that his son was on his way home, he immediately raced out to greet him. Now we need to feel the impact of Jesus' story. No self-respecting citizen in that culture would ever run down the street. He would walk with dignity and deliberation. Furthermore, this father wasn't racing out to greet a son who had graduated with a doctorate and made his first million before he was 25. His action was a very personal, public humiliation. Yet the father not only ran, but threw his arms around his son and kissed him. The son, no doubt overwhelmed, was honest and expressed his sorrow and deep repentance. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Period. Full stop. He had planned to add, treat me as one of your hired servants. But now he realized this was not appropriate. For the first time he understood he'd never really known his father, nor how much his father loved him. He had never appreciated the privilege of being a son. What was the younger son's problem? He wanted his father's wealth so he could enjoy all the pleasures that took his fancy without accountability. Here is the heart of the human dilemma. We think that our possessions and the pleasures we pursue are the be-all and end-all of life. Reckoning they are secure, we find they aren't secure at all. 
we look for life in the wrong places because we left God out of the equation of the meaning of life. Jesus' great longing is for us to be honest and humble enough to say, Lord, I know you are true, and I know everything that I have comes from you. Please forgive me for turning my back on you. Help me to honour you above all else in life. Can God find it in his heart to forgive us? Jesus also answers this. In verse 22 we read that before the younger son could catch his breath, his father was busy ordering new clothes, shoes and a ring, the very best of everything. The most elaborate and expensive feast was prepared, and the father tells us why. For this my son was dead, now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. The prayer of humble access in the Anglican prayer book takes up the principle of God's willingness to forgive the repentant heart when it says the Lord's nature is always to have mercy. We easily miss the force of the Father's words in Jesus' story. For this my son was dead, now he is alive. We may have everything the world offers, but until we have turned to Jesus Christ, in God's sight we are the walking dead. How good it is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, as we read in Luke chapter 19. And how good it is to have gospel ministries such as the Word one-to-one, so that we can introduce family and friends to Him, so that they will not die, but have life forever with the Lord. So let me pray. Almighty God, grant that we who justly deserve to be punished for our sinful deeds, may in your mercy and kindness be pardoned and restored. Through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Father's love for us are vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away as which man the chosen one bring many sons to glory
God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world, and especially upon the people of Ukraine at this time. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war. Sovereign Lord, direct and govern the leaders of the nations. Especially we pray for the leaders in the United States, the United Kingdom, Ukraine, Russia and China. Give them the will and the wisdom to resolve tension and conflict, so that all people may live in justice and peace. We ask this so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one people and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for those in need. Almighty God, we commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, especially those who suffer and grieve in this time of unprovoked war in Ukraine. We also pray for those who are known to us. May it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs giving them patience in their sufferings and our happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you and remain with you always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian, San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. The hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, is sung by the Chamber Choir of the Cathedral under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast, and please let us know if you would like to find out more about the Word One-to-One. We'd love to hear from you.